Presto changeo. David stepped into an alley and glanced over his shoulder, his dark eyes darting like those of a frightened dog. When he felt sure no one saw him, he emptied the contents of his pocket, a jackknife, a few crumpled bills, and some change. He counted $13.29, all he had left from the 150 he'd stolen from his father. The old man had come home drunk again, knocking David's mother around. After listening to it night after night for all of his 15 years, David couldn't bear it anymore. He waited until the old man finished the last of his Jack Daniels and dragged David's drunk mother into the bedroom. When he heard their snores, he slipped into the room and stole the wad of bills from his dad's work pants. He'd been gone for three weeks. The last time he saw himself in the mirror, his dirty blonde hair looked matted and shaggy, and he'd lost weight. His gaunt face and lanky body made him look older than 15. The collar on his flannel shirt had ripped and his Levi jacket looked greasy. One of his high-top Converse All-Stars had a hole in the toe. He stuffed the grimy bills back into his pocket and headed for the park. He didn't want to miss the great Mephisto's show. Taking his usual seat in the grass, he watched the mimes and jugglers. Freckle-faced little girls in pigtails giggled at the clowns and hid behind their mothers. Ordinary dads looking ridiculous in Hawaiian shirts strolled by with their families, like flocks of duck gathering to stare and quack at the performers. David thought about dressing up as a clown into making a fool of himself for pocket change, but what he really wanted was to be a magician, like the great Mephisto. He came to the park every day to watch Mephisto in hopes of learning his secrets. David had all the routines memorized, but he couldn't figure out the tricks. With each passing day, he realized that he couldn't learn from watching. Mephisto was much too good. David hoped to get the nerve to ask the magician to take him on as an apprentice. He searched the jumble of people and spotted a blacktop hat moving through the crowd toward the fountain. His heart swelled. The people on the sidewalk parted in front of him, giving him a perfect view of Mephisto. He looked seven feet tall in his top hat and red-lined black cape. His hair and goatee were flecked with gray, and his pale blue eyes looked sharp and probing. His hat, cloak, and dark suit gave him a regal bearing. David watched him set up his table. His movements were quick, exact, nothing wasted. As the crowd pressed in toward the magician, David craned his neck until his gaze met Mephisto's. The old man's eyes flashed recognition. He gave a short nod. David felt a nervous smile forming on his lips. Mephisto bowed in his white-gloved hands danced as he deftly manipulated cards, coins, and handkerchiefs. His tricks increased in complexity, and his motions became more graceful and angular. A whirlwind of black and white flourished into a colorful bouquet. Bright silk handkerchiefs appeared out of nowhere. Then came his grand finale, pulling a dove out of his hat. The crowd applauded. He gave a low bow and passed his hat. As it made the rounds, his audience began to disperse until David found himself alone, facing the magician. The two studied each other a moment. Then the old man beckoned with a white-gloved hand. David sidled up to him, suddenly tongue-tied. So, you want to be a magician, Mephisto said. His voice sounded low and velvety with a German accent. 
how did you know? He studied an amulet that hung from the old man's neck. It looked like a real human eye, encased in clear plastic. It's my business to know, Mephisto said. I can see it in your face. You've been watching me every day. I've been waiting for you to approach me. He smiled, revealing crooked teeth. David stared at the old man. Up close, his formal suit looked worn, its cuffs frayed. The white gloves were really gray, the pants old and shiny. His eyes glittered like cracked ice, and his gaze made David's stomach queasy. You're a runaway, aren't you? The three eyes studied him. David forced himself to look away. I, I'm older than you think, he stammered. I'm sure you are, young man. Now, if you are serious about learning magic, quit dawdling. Pick up that suitcase and table and follow me. David hesitated. Mephisto gave him a sharp look. Then David grabbed the suitcase and table. They walked in silence, the old man's head held high, David following two steps behind. A few blocks away, they rounded the corner onto a dead-end street. The magician nodded toward a house at the end of it. Like Mephisto, the aging Victorian structure looked stately and majestic from a distance. When they came closer, David saw peeling white paint, lopsided steps, and a sagging porch. The front door looked battered, the foyer lit by a single low-watt bulb. Mephisto led him to a small, shabbily furnished room with a dingy carpet. David looked around in wonder. Strange symbols and yellowed pictures of snakes, dragons, and castles adorned the walls. A huge eye, like the one on Mephisto's amulet, was painted on the floor. A peculiar odor filled the air, the smell of crumbling plaster laced with something sour. Come, we'll eat, Mephisto said, speaking for the first time since they'd left the park. Nourishment first, then we'll speak of magic. I'm dying to learn, David forced himself to speak. I've been watching you. You're awesome. The magician nodded and motioned toward the kitchen. Once we eat, you must tell me about yourself. Only by sharing your secrets can you hear mine. We both have many secrets, don't we? His bushy eyebrows raised. David followed him into the kitchen, feeling awkward. I don't have many secrets. Gut. Mephisto gestured toward a rickety table. David took a seat and studied the grease-streaked wall behind the crusty stove. A picture of a huge eye floating among the stars hung above the table. The rest of the walls were lined with shelves, containing a line of jars filled with bright-colored powders and liquids. Mephisto mixed some of their contents with a can of chicken noodle soup. I wonder what he's putting in there. Should I ask? The smell of chicken soup wafted to him. His mouth watered and his stomach gurgled. God, that smells good. Better not ask. He might get offended and make me leave. David looked up at the picture of the eye. I'm sure you're wondering about that, Mephisto said when he saw David staring. And this, he touched his amulet. It is kind of spooky. The sign of the brotherhood. He lowered his voice dramatically. A secret order. I'm more than a simple magician. David felt excitement welling inside him. If you're not a magician, he blurted, then what are you? 
Mephisto turned from the stove, his eyes holding David's. A wizard. That's bitchin'. The old man nodded and went back to the stove. David sat in awed silence until Mephisto ladled soup into bowls. He thought of the powder the old man added and hesitated when the bowl was placed in front of him, but there were two bowls and they smelled so good. While they ate, Mephisto quizzed him about his background. David thought he might call the cops, or worse, he might be a pervert. He felt nervous and unsure, but the warm soup relaxed him. The more he ate, the more comfortable he became until he found himself volunteering information that the magician hadn't even asked for. My mom and dad don't get along too good. They like to drink, but it makes them fight. If I'm around, my dad hits me. I got sick of it. Bell David, Mephisto pushed back from the table. It looks like you might be the one I've been waiting for. I'll take you on as an apprentice on a trial basis. He paused. The magic you've seen is not as simple as it seems. It takes great dedication. More than ever, David wanted to be taught by the old man. I'm ready. I'll do whatever you want, anything. He yawned. Mephisto leaned back in his chair, eyes narrowed, hands stroking his beard. Anything? Name it. There are our secret rituals that must be performed before the acolyte can approach the inner circle. Mephisto's eyes glazed. He turned his head to the side as if listening to someone talking, then nodded. Yes, you can stay with us. I mean, me. If you prove yourself worthy, I will initiate you. His words sounded fuzzy. Fuzzy? David shook his head. His eyes felt heavy. He'd been so intent on eating his own soup, he hadn't noticed Mephisto not eating his. You can sleep in the sacred chamber. The voices seemed to be drifting. Sacred chamber? What does he mean? But what about you, he mumbled. You haven't told me about yourself. David's head drooped, then his eyes jerked open. His vision grew hazy. Come along now. David felt the magician dragging him up from the chair. He struggled to stand, but his knees buckled. His mouth fell open, and his words blurred into a moan. Save your energy. You need your strength for the trial. Don't fight. Go with it. He felt Mephisto's moist, sour breath tickling his neck, the whisper echoing until it turned into the sound of his own breathing. A chill rolled up the nape of his neck. He gave in and let sleep take him. In his dreams, he heard two people arguing and thought he was back home. He couldn't make out the words, only the high, raspy sound of one voice. The other sounded low, relaxed. Mephisto. He awoke in darkness, head throbbing dully, mouth dry. A dank, mildewy smell filled the air. He sat up and tried to get his bearings by sliding his hand along the mattress behind him until he felt a padded wall. A rush of adrenaline jolted him fully awake. What the hell? He swung his legs over the side of the cot, then moved across the floor, sliding his feet until he reached the opposite wall. Padded. Moving to his right, he felt his way along the wall. When he came to a doorway, a flood of relief filled him. He pushed open the door and slipped through. 
His leg hit something hard. He reached down and touched cold porcelain. A toilet. Two more steps took him to a sink and another wall. Not really sure of his aim in the dark, he relieved himself, then stepped back into the padded room, sliding along the wall, turning at each corner until he counted four. No doors, no windows, only padding. Sweat slid down his back and neck, trickling into his armpits. His panic rose, peaking into hopelessness, then collapsing into smoldering frustration. Son of a bitch. His voice sounded strange. Small. Son of a bitch, he said louder, his voice trembling somewhere between fear and anger. Son of a bitch, he screamed, punching the wall. The wall sucked up the sound of his voice and the thuds of his punches, as if his fists had struck the padded lid of a giant coffin. He put his face in his hands and cried himself to sleep. Voices. Distant. Muffled. He put his ear to the wall, but still couldn't make out the words. He thought he could hear the voices better close to the bathroom. Stepping inside, he put his ear against the cold plaster of the unpadded wall and heard shuffling noises like furniture being moved. Then the voices. Are we going to sacrifice him? The first voice sounded strained, as if on the verge of erupting. No, the second voice answered. It sounded low and in control, yet defensive. Mephisto. A sacrifice is needed. Through a new blood we grow. David's chest tightened. His stomach felt cold and hollow. Out of the question, Mephisto said. David breathed a sigh of relief. What do you mean, out of the question? You haven't lost your nerve, have you? This one's different. He's... He's... The words hung in the air. Then he spoke again, his voice breathless. I think he is the chosen one. The chosen one? The grainy voice reminded David of the Gestapo torturer in old war movies. I've already begun the initiation rites. If he passes, we can consecrate him. Teach him the secret arts. Mephisto's voice rose steadily, an air of conviction bleeding through every word. As it is written in the great book, Behold, the acolyte will appear, and the keeper will sense his desire. The ritual will come to pass, and a new age will spring forth. What if you're wrong? The initiation will tell us that. And if he fails? We have another sacrifice. A chill clambered across David's scalp like a spider. Was he being held by the members of an insane cult, or was he being tested by a benevolent wizard? Common sense told him the former was true, but his sanity and hope hinged on the latter. He shuffled back to his cot and lay down, hands clasped behind his head, mind racing in time with the heartbeat pounding in his ears. Hunger gnawed at his gut, a growing parasite worming its way to his core, robbing him of vitality. How long had he been here? When was the last time he ate? He thought of the Big Mac and shake he had the day before. After a long drink at the bathroom tap, he slept and dreamed of ancient temples and robe priests drinking blood as they performed secret rituals. Bright red pierced his brain. His eyes fluttered open, burning an image of the dark outline of Mephisto filling a doorway. His cape spread wide like Dracula. 
The light brought excruciating pain. David scrunched his eyes shut. Let me out of here, he shrieked. I know you must be angry. Mephisto's velvety words gave David strange comfort. You said you vaunted to be a magician. I am only preparing you. David thought of the conversation he had listened to through the wall, but was afraid to let the old man know he'd overheard. What do you mean, preparing me? You're starving me. I've brought you nourishment, but you must eat slowly, otherwise you'll be sick. I don't want to be a magician anymore. You are the chosen one the great book speaks of. You have been picked from among thousands by the Almighty. What book are you talking about? The ancient book of secret and forbidden knowledge. It's been passed down to me by my druidic forefathers. David tried to open his eyes, but the light hurt too much. He heard the muffled thud of the door, and the room went dark again. Turn on the goddamn lights, he screamed. No answer. The enticing aroma of food drifted to him. His mouth watered. He crawled, he crawled across the floor toward the door, and the smell grew stronger. He slid his hand back and forth on the floor in front of him. It hit something. A warm plate. Something breaded, fried, a little greasy. He grabbed at it. Remembering Mephisto's warning, he chewed slowly, the watering in his mouth so intense it hurt. Chicken. He ate more, pacing himself, savoring each bite, tasting different kinds of meat, different shapes, different textures, peas and carrots. Then his fingers found a glass of milk. He drank a sip at a time. David felt his strength return. He licked the plate clean and drank the last of his milk for dessert, then went to the bathroom, put his ear to the wall and listened. He's not going to make it, the higher grating voice said. Give the boy a chance, Mephisto answered. He's had his chance. He doesn't want to learn. It's time for the initiation or else give him up as a sacrifice. And if I refuse? I'll take things into my own hands. I will not hesitate to perform the sacrifice. Through new blood we grow. David backed away from the wall. His stomach felt cold and sour. Panic nipped at his brain. He thrust his hand into his pocket. His fingers closed around the jackknife. He pushed his ear to the wall and listened. No sound. He jabbed at the plaster with the knife, pausing every few minutes to listen digging. He dug until he came across wood slats. He widened the hole, finally pushing his knife all the way through. When he had a big enough hole, he put his eye to it. More blackness. Shit, where does it go? He dug frantically until he had a hole wide enough to crawl through. Only the wood slats blocked him. He thought of kicking through, but feared he would be heard. He carved the tops, then the bottoms of each slat thinning them, then pushing. Each one gave way with a snap that sounded alarmingly loud. Soon, he had a hole big enough for his head and shoulders. He thrust his head into the darkness and saw a tiny spot of light a few feet from his face. A keyhole. He wriggled through the wall, his hopes of escape rising, until he heard the sound of footsteps. He jerked his head back. The point of a jutting slat stabbed him in the back of his skull. He winced, pushed forward, and drew his head back slowly. 
Bolting from the bathroom, he landed back on the cot as the door to his room opened. He closed his eyes to the blinding light and touched the back of his head. A warm trickle ran between his fingers. He choked back tears and listened. Only the sound of breathing. His. And someone else's. The door closed. The voices started again, louder because of the hole in the wall, and louder for another reason, an argument. He couldn't make out what they were saying, but he knew the sounds of a fight. The voices grew quiet. Then the door to his room opened. The smell of food. The door closed. He found the tray and a repeat of his last meal. This time he wolfed it down. He finished and sat on the cot, ears vigilant. When he heard nothing, he crept to the bathroom, eased himself through the hole in the wall, staying on his hands and knees to explore the room. He didn't have to go far. He'd escaped into a closet. He groped for the door, his sweaty palm sliding over the knob. His heart fluttered. He held his breath, tightened his grip, and turned. Locked. He bit his tongue to keep from screaming. After calming himself, he found a light switch, scrunched his eyes shut, and flicked it. The light burned, making his first impressions hazy, then things drifted into focus. Shelves lined with jars, things floating in them. He stepped closer. His stomach nodded, eyeballs floated in one, ears in another, fingers, strips of flesh. He thought of his meals eaten in the dark and his stomach spasmed as his last meal splattered against the door. His mind raced aimlessly, building to a crescendo until he blacked out. When he opened his eyes, horror greeted him, shelf upon shelf of lifeless terror, poised in silent repose, sightless eyes staring vacantly, ears that didn't hear his bubbling sobs, motionless fingers beckoning him away from sanity. Bile burned in his throat, whimpering. He pushed himself further into the corner, where he spied a battered steamer trunk covered with decals from all over the world. The great Mephisto had been stenciled on it in faded silver paint. David shuddered when he thought about what might be in it. On a sudden impulse, he grabbed the lid and flipped it open. Cards, brightly colored handkerchiefs, a top hat, a cape, a cane, large silver rings and mysterious boxes filled the trunk. Some of the tricks David recognized, others he'd never seen. Two books lay in one corner, 1001 Magic Tricks and The Ancient Book of Secrets and Forbidden Knowledge. David felt as though he watched himself from a distance as his hand picked up the second book. Childlike scribbles in different colored crayon filled the first pages. Crude pictures, disembodied eyes, and men in dark, hooded robes. Men lying on tables, hooded men standing over them with bloody knives. For the most part, this scrawls were illegible, but here and there, he could make out a word. New blood. Feeding. Passage. And the German words, Der Geist, der Stets Verneint. Beneath it, the words, The spirit who always negates. Through new blood, we grow. The hairs bristled on his scalp. He flipped to the second part of the album, scores of newspaper articles dating back close to 70 years. The stories were all basically the same. 
Body parts found, pieces still missing. Shallow grave reveals disfigured bodies. Cult activity suspected. Hunt still on for Manchester Mangler. The most recent article had a page to itself. Mutilation suspect escapes from institution. The face looked younger and clean-shaven, but David recognized Mephisto. His body grew cold. He heard a tiny noise and looked up to see the doorknob twisting, his stomach wrenched. The door opened on squeaking hinges, and David looked up into the glistening eyes of Mephisto boring into him from beneath a black hooded cloak. His mind told him to jump up and run past the old man, but his body remained on the floor, a quivering mass. You've discovered the truth, Mephisto said quietly. Now the initiation must proceed. David's mouth hung open in a silent scream. He was dimly aware of the string of saliva running down his chin onto the book. Mephisto pulled him to his feet, half dragging him into another room, talking to him in a calm, even voice that drove the fear deeper into David with each word. A good magician has many talents, among them the skills of escape artist. You've proven yourself worthy. Black rooms and bizarre red symbols jumped out at him. A single crimson eye covered one wall. A tiny red altar sat below it. Candles flickered, bathing the room in dancing, uneven light. David hung limp in the old magician's arms until he felt himself dragged up onto the altar. Then his adrenaline raced. He struggled, trying to get his jackknife. Mephisto produced a cloth and pressed it over David's nose and mouth. He coughed remembering the ether smell from the time his tonsils had been removed. He let go of the knife, pulled his hand out, tried to hit Mephisto, and coughed again. The sound echoed. Candlelight glittered in Mephisto's eyes. Voices, chanting, foreign-sounding words. The grainy, straining voice, the man who'd been arguing with Mephisto. Der Geist, der Stetsvernaint. David found himself tied to the altar. He expected many faces, but saw only one hooded figure kneeling in front of the altar, holding a butcher knife high in front of him like a priest bearing a cross. The figure looked up, and David locked eyes with Mephisto. The magician smiled and rose. You awaken, he said, his voice low, silken. It is good. The acolyte must witness the passage. David strained against his bonds. You're nuts, he said between gritted teeth. Let me go, you fucking lunatic. Something behind the old man's eyes shifted, his face contorted. Through new blood be grow, the strained, raspy voice said through Mephisto's mouth. He raised the knife over his head. The gold shimmer of candlelight glinted off the blade. Mephisto turned his head to the side as if studying David. His eyes looked soft, imploring. He paused, then brought the knife down hard, cutting his own throat. David let out a startled cry and shut his eyes. Hot, coppery crimson spurted onto him, finding its way into his mouth and nose, along with a dark, alien presence that fluttered through his consciousness like a bat. With a flourish of his hands and a flap of his cape, David produced the bouquet. The crowd of youngsters applauded. His movements weren't as deft as those of his mentor, but he improved every day. 
the beginnings of a goatee formed on his chin, but his youth made the peach fuzz almost invisible. When his show ended and the hat had been passed, he packed his things. A disheveled younger boy who had come to watch again studied him from a distance. Third day in a row. David peered over his shoulder, his eyes meeting those of the other, locking for a moment. Young, he thought. Probably a runaway. I'll bet he wants to learn magic. 